Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Welcome in, balloon party. Glorious return. Coming back like Jordan wearing the 4-5. Driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura, Alton Toyota, Timothy Michael McKernan, Action Jackson with you. Uh, I know a lot of people are sending in early Valentines welcoming us back. 314-399-9646. Air Comfort Service text line is where you can send yours. And, uh, and Jackson... It is going to be a, it's going to be a loving today. This is going to be like uh, John and Yoko lying in bed together, reading support. Absolutely, yeah. We were flying back uh, from Charlotte, North Carolina, on our, on our way back from our trip, and I was just thinking, man, I can't wait to get back on one on the ESPN and hear the listeners and how happy they are to have us back and excited they were to hear about the trip. You know, made me feel good. Now that we're back here, I just have a warm feeling inside. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. And it's a day with the six-shooter. Ah, pew-pew, even better. Everything is happening today. Yeah. Uh, We were in Jamaica uh, the Ryan Kelly morning after. Uh, Went down there to do the show. And uh, thank you to Randy Carricker and Kerry Davis and Matt Rocchio for doing the the extra hour. And uh, Jackson, of course, uh, was roommates with uh, adult starlet, uh, legend, Lisa Ann, uh, what would you like to share with our uh, friends here on the 101 ESPN audience? Uh, we had a wonderful time, Lisa mm-hmm. and I. Uh, she's awesome. She's super intelligent. Um, you know, she, me and her had some wonderful sports conversations. She's extremely knowledgeable about sports, has a very good understanding of all aspects of sports, not just what's on the field, court, or ice, but stuff that happens off court, field, and ice. And I love talking it over with her. We had a lovely time, beautiful weather. I had a great time. I mean, it was outstanding. And especially in the middle of January when it's cold here, like to feel that warm weather again is just great. So the end of January and part of February. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we were there. We left on February 1st. That's right. But uh, tail end of January. It was, just, it was just lovely. It was a lovely time. That's the best way to describe it. If I could use one word, lovely. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It was a lovely time. I like that. Yeah. Uh, any questions you may have for Jackson about his roommate, uh, we'll take those as well along with your... Uh, go back. Go back to Jamaica. That's from the 636. So the Valentines are starting early. Yeah, I was uh, expecting a little more. Can't wait to hear about Lil Piddle's week of sleeping at the foot of Lisa Ann's bed. That's from the 314. <laughs> uh, does St. Louis's number one bachelor have a Valentine's Day date yet? Uh-oh. Sounds like we have an interested party. No, I don't. I don't have a Valentine's Day date. But yeah, I guess I'd be open to it. Do you have some candidates out there? Do I? Uh, not really. Oh, wow. Maybe we could set this up. It's Valentine's Day is kind of reserved for like established couples. No. Do your peers, 24 year olds, do they celebrate Valentine's Day? If they're in a relationship, absolutely. No. Yeah. If they're not, you know, I don't think you go like on a first date on a Valentine's Day. I think that sends the wrong message and is bad for everybody. Um, Barf. That's from the 408. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I was expecting. But hey, any anything you know, any reaction is a reaction. I lost where I was going with that. Yeah, one. I don't know where you were going with that. Yeah, well, sometimes it falls flat on its face. Uh, let's see. Uh, did uh, 
who in the hell comes back to work from vacation on a Friday? What the hell is this? That's from the 309. Well, I wouldn't call it a vacation. Um, we were working, doing the show down there. But, uh, yeah, we were uh, we flew back on Wednesday. And that uh, it's a long process getting back from Jamaica. Cause Boy, it's howdy. two hours to the airport and then a three-hour flight to Charlotte. And then I guess about an hour and 15 minutes, maybe Charlotte to St. Louis. Oh, no, closer to two hours. Really? Was it? Oh, yeah. We were up there. That's surprising to me. Like an hour and a half to two hours, yeah, to get back from Charlotte, depending on the wind. Huh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's it was at least a 13-hour day of travel on Wednesday. It was a lot. We got home super late on Wednesday. Yeah, that was uh, so. That's that's the reason why we are uh, we're back, and we appreciate uh, the, the support. And like I said, we're taking Valentine's uh, missives, if you will, three one four three nine 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 six four six. You can leave a mic drop via the one hundred one ESPN app uh, here on Balloon Party, driven by Munganest, St. Louis Acura, and uh, Alton Toyota. Uh, with Jackson being a big NBA guy. Uh, to quote the great Kevin Harlan from last night, boink. That's from the 314. Yeah, yeah, that's unfortunate. I guess I'm being a little cryptic. Dylan Brooks hit Donovan Mitchell low on his body, and it started a little scuffle where they both got ejected. That's what that's in reference to. Yeah, and then Kevin Harlan, when on replay, Dylan Brooks kind of turns and hits Donovan Mitchell, and it says boink. Uh, Rick, your drunk eyes are intoxicating. Nice diaper, bro. That's from the Sheik of Wydown. Wasn't wearing a diaper again. There was a video. That you, you can go see it. I guess it's on the TMASTL Instagram, TMA underscore STL. And Jackson jumped into the, do you say Caribbean Sea or Caribbean Sea? I say Caribbean. So do I. But Billy Ocean said Caribbean Queen. What do you think about that? Billy Ocean can do him. I'm okay. telling you. <laughs> And the video makes it appear that Jackson is wearing a yellow diaper, and you'd like to issue a statement on that. Uh, it's what it is. It's like a. It's like if it was a life vest, it would have been a lot easier to explain. But it does it functions the same way. It's like a life cummerbund, <laughs> and uh, it looks. It doesn't look great. It's not very flattering when you put it on. But they force you to put it on when you jump into the Caribbean, Caribbean. Right. When you jump into the Caribbean Sea. And uh, they forced me to put it on to get in. I didn't really want to get in in the first place, to be honest with you, but I did, team player as I am. And I put on the cummerbund, and I guess it looks like a diaper if, like, you've never <laughs> seen a diaper before because it's not even close, but whatever. And uh, so I had to put that on. And, people, and then you yelled something about Missouri basketball as you as you leapt into the ocean. Yeah, tickets punched. That's T what you— and Tickets punched, and I was fired up. You know, first year, brand new coach, go to the tournament. It's pretty impressive. So I, uh, and then, like I said, it's not punched by all certainty, but I think it is. And so I got fired up and I jumped into the ocean. People obviously, you know, were ragging on me. And, you know, I just, I don't read the comments anymore. That's where I'm at. You do, you're not reading the text inbox anymore? No, I'm reading the text inbox, oh. but like comments on the video and stuff. I don't oh, were there a lot of comments about you wearing a yellow dipe? Yeah. Yeah, everyone's tough behind the keyboard. Oh my God, they, I didn't realize this. This was a sore subject. That's not a sore subject at all. I'm just it, it was the, that was like the theme of the trip. Is like anything would do to me is like oh Jackson's ball, you know all this. It's like oh yeah. Oh no, now I, now, now I feel no. Like, don't feel bad. Like I feel, I'm now I feel I really do because I feel like this is we're not we're not having playtime. I I find I thought almost we were having playtime. It's funny. It is funny. I can't lie to you. It's funny, and so like I just don't read it just because like 
what good would it do me? Well, I agree. That's very advanced. It took me till about 35 to not really care, for lack of a better term. Right. So I, if you're there at 24, that's wonderful. That's yeah. that's advanced. Yeah, I just I, it's but not. It seems like you're a little banty. I got to tell you, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> and I, I understand bit. how that might what come. What bothers off. you more, the comments about your bald spot or the yellow diaper? Yellow diaper, because like I said, if you've never seen a diaper before, you could probably say, yeah, that's a diaper. But in fact, it was a cumber. Like if someone wears a belt, they're like, aha, you're wearing a diaper. Like, holy hell, like it's that's not even close to what I was wearing. But again, it is, it is, I guess, comical. And I'm trying to look at it if it's not me, but of course it is me. And then the video in which Lisa Ann was discussing the, 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 the bed arrangement with you at the pool, there's a video, I guess that's at TMA underscore STL as well on Instagram. And this was fresh off. This was Saturday afternoon right after Missouri had beaten Iowa State. And you didn't really comment on her talking about sleeping in the same bed with you. You said Tiger is... Going to the big dance, baby. There you go. Yeah, that's what I cared about, just being honest. Like, <laughs> I mean, if you, I said it on the trip. If you can be anything, be authentic. I'm not going to lie around. And, and that's why this is called honesty in media. 100%. And so I'm, I, I don't care. Like, I said what I said. And again, that was another video where, you know, people had their thoughts and I just didn't look at it. It's best for my self-esteem. <laughs> and like, it's totally cool. Like, people can comment. All, well, I'm fine with it. I, I, I haven't looked at these things. I guess I'll go look at them. Yeah. It's, this is on the TMA, uh, the comments on Instagram. Is that what you're talking about? Instagram and then the TMA fan page. Everyone had their fun and as they should, man. That's, anytime you put yourself out there, like you have to expect there's going to be people who are kind of comment on it, good or bad. So, you know, I understand what's going on. Uh, Tim, after hearing you do play-by-play on the golf course, I need you on some television golf broadcasts. That's from the 931. The 931, supportive. I, you're great at the golf play-by-play. One of my favorite parts of playing golf with you is... To get the play-by-play action? Yeah, it's funny. It's good we, stuff, uh, and you're good at it. Who was it? Me and Iggy against you and uh, the Plowboy, I guess. Yeah, we didn't... We didn't... We weren't there. We yeah. didn't have it that day. And then you and me played Doug Vaughn and his son on the, uh, on Tuesday. I played a lot better that day. A lot better. Yeah, you did. That was a lot better. Uh, all right, we got uh, the, the, the six-shooter from uh, Lil Piddles coming up and uh, a variety of other topics since we haven't been on 101 ESPN in a week, and I'm looking forward to uh, breaking it down. Deep Dive Friday, uh, no guest on the program. I really enjoyed Jeremy Rutherford was with us on the uh, on TMA in the 9 o'clock hour, and this article that he posted, he surveyed on The Athletic, 2,500 Blues fans, and the results are in. Article just posted. I want to talk about that as well. It's all coming up. This is Balloon Party, presented by Munganass, St. Louis Acura on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back, Balloon Party, 101 ESPN, driven by Munganass, St. Louis actor, Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you. It's a Friday tradition, and that is the Lil Pedal Six Shooter. What do we have this week? Pew, pew, pew. Hope everyone's ready for the Lil Pedal Six Shooter. Here we go. First bullet. Right. Given the time until spring training and the current market, do you think the Cardinals roster will be what they tried out on opening day, what the current Cardinals have right now is what they're going to be trying now on opening day. With no. Them. Okay. I do not. Still think there's another move in the cards? I think that there's just something that's going to have to happen. I just still believe that. Yeah. I, think- I, I did, but, I mean, we're now in February, and the bus is leaving with all of, like, the equipment on Monday, and I'm still holding on to this. I just don't understand. <laughs> I agree. I'm confused. But I, I'm... I'm 
wondering if the Bally situation is playing a role in it. I don't know. I'm confused by the whole thing. Yeah. I guess if the National League Central were a different caliber of division, maybe it wouldn't be what it is. I just don't understand. But, you know, maybe they'll prove me wrong. Maybe they will. Yeah, I think that they're, I mean, I get like being high on your prospects and thinking there's a lot of value there with them, but. Well, none of the prospects are going to be pitching. Right. That's a fair point. Like, and then the rotation is a lot of question marks around that's, it. That's where I'm coming from. Yeah. All right. Next bullet. Does the Bo Horvat trade have any impact on what you think the Blues will do come the trade deadline? Well, I think the Blues were going to be selling no matter what. I think all that does is make the situation even more enticing, but I think they were selling no matter what, and I am all for it. I am all for it because right now the return to even where they got against the Avalanche last year at the moment feels like it is a long ways away. And uh, we'll go into that in some detail coming up in the next segment with uh, JR's survey and the responses from 2,500 fans on that uh, and and really to give some proper context to where things are with that. But, uh, yes, sell, sell, sell. And if anything, the value that Vancouver received uh, will make that pill easier to swallow whenever the first of what I expect to be multiple trades takes place. All right. Reload. Here we go for the third one. What is your excitement level for the Super Bowl given the matchup? How do you think these teams match up? Are you more excited if a different, you know, if the Niners and the Bengals got in, or is this like the matchup you wanted? And how do you think of it? Um, I would have rather have seen the Bengals, um, but I'm looking forward to seeing it. I, I'm on the Eagles. Yeah, yeah. I I just I don't like betting on the Chiefs, and I think it sucks that the officiating was so horrendous in particular in the Kansas City game but it's not like it was great in the Philadelphia game either mm-hmm. the thing that stands out about that it's so unfortunate not that I cared one way or the other I actually had money on Philadelphia right uh, we both did but uh it's a shame that that game featured San Francisco just I mean that sucks you have a great team and then you have what you have happen from a health standpoint the quarterback it's just an absolute debacle i mean yeah. how many quarterbacks did that organization go through this year like they were get, getting ready to have christian mccaffrey start right. throwing the football if uh, things got any worse so yeah and i think the eagles chiefs matchup is outstanding uh i think it's the two best teams in football right now but i would have like also liked to see the Bengals get in there i think joe burrow and the Bengals are a more fun team personally i get the chiefs allure but to me the Bengals are more exciting uh do you think tom brady is truly done with football and do you think they will use him on fox for the super bowl uh that's interesting i saw bob costas was saying that he expects them to mm-hmm. to use that yeah use him on um i'd be surprised if they did i would do Okay, so you agree with me yeah. on that. And what was the first part of the question, actually, Jason? Do you think he's truly, like, do you think this is it? Like, this retirement is oh, final? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Do you? Well, I think he was kind of in a spot where, I'm not in a, this is pure speculation here, but, like, maybe he wanted to go to Miami, you know, but they recommitted to Tua. Maybe he wanted to go to Vegas, and that was kind of up in the air. Maybe he wanted to go to New York. I just think doors closed, and it was like, you know what? There's no reason for me to force something and try it again, so let's just call it quits uh but i mean it, it, maybe that scenario is the case i don't know but i think he is done i think he has a great deal of self-awareness mm-hmm. and he's not going to play whatever whether it be a boxer brett Favre, whoever else you think of that 
went in and out of retirement multiple times. It's just not. I'd be shocked if he did uh, come back. What what I think is going to be incredibly intriguing to watch over the next. I mean, you'll hell, it's going to play out with the Super Bowl. I mean, Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson, who Brady will be replacing, uh, theoretically anyway, contractually, are on the call of the Chiefs and the Eagles. Mm-hmm. And Olson has a lot of positive momentum. Whereas Tony Romo's stock is going down, Olson's is going up. And you're going to put an unproven commodity on the number one broadcast team. And I, I've said throughout the, the course of discussing this, this is nothing. I mean, I'm, if anything, I have a great deal of respect for Tom Brady. Um, but I just think some people have it when it comes to broadcasting traits. And I'm just not sure he's got it. And I think that Fox move of locking him into a $375 million deal um, when he's an unproven commodity was the equivalent, uh, certainly a smaller portion, but an overreaction to something that they didn't see coming. And by that, I mean Aikman and Buck leaving. Mm-hmm. And then they go, we got we to gotta do something to, you know, get people talking to not talk about the fact that Buck and Aikman are leaving. And so we'll overreact and we'll do this quick, you know, move like the Cardinals did when McGuire retired out of nowhere via fax. And they go, God, Tino Martinez. And the Cardinals did when they couldn't get out of meat. And they go, oh, God, Dexter Fowler. And what I worry could have happened here with Sean Murphy. Oh, God, Wilson Contreras. So you just wonder about uh, Alex Petrangelo. Oh, Tory Krug. Right. You know, I, I, I just don't know if Tom Brady's going to be a good broadcaster. Meanwhile, Greg Olson has proven that he is. Now, does he have the Q rating that Tom Brady has? Absolutely not. But as we've seen with the various Monday night football incarnations over the last two decades before Aikman and Buck, uh, you the Q rating doesn't necessarily equate to a great broadcast. And I just don't – Peyton Manning could see it all day long. Yep. You, you knew he had it. Absolutely. I just don't know that that's going to be Tom Brady. I also don't know if that's what he necessarily wants to do. And one might go, well, he has 375 million reasons to want to do it, but it, he, he, you know, he's made a lot of money. In his it do, yeah, it just doesn't matter. Like, okay, well, now if I have 500 million as opposed to 300 million, maybe I can, you know, get this new car. Right. It doesn't matter. Right. So, and I, you know, with regards to what happened in his personal life, I feel like that part of it was not necessarily discussed. That oh, he's going back to play football. Well, he also signed a 10-year deal to go broadcast, and you're not at home when you broadcast. At least when you're playing football, you're at home for all but, you know, eight, nine weeks. Uh, So I'm I'm just not sold on that. If he ever broadcasts a game for Fox, I don't know where I would put my money on that. And I don't know, maybe he sits out a year before the deal can kick in. He has the option to do that. But I'd be surprised if he pops up on the Super Bowl broadcast. That is a, that's a big stage to have your first audition. Absolutely. And if it, go, if it went somewhat sideways, now you've completely leveraged yourself for all of next season and the seasons after that. Like if you put him on the biggest game of the year and he doesn't perform like you, know, you think he might, then you have that in the offseason coming up like, Tom Brady's going to be on Fox. How bad was he at the Super Bowl? I think that would be unfair to him, and I don't think he would even want to be, you know, doing that for his first ever broadcast. Yeah, unless he's contractually obligated to do it when his playoff—that's the thing. I don't know what his contract Right, reads, exactly, yeah. I because don't. I know that there was talk last year if the Buccaneers didn't get into the playoffs that they might use him in the playoffs last year. But here it would be the Super Bowl. Yeah. And 
I mean, and on top of it, you have chemistry that's been developed between Burkhardt and Olson. I doubt they want that. That's a that's a totally different thing. You put a third person in the booth. Oh yeah. When you're not used to it for the biggest game of those guys' careers. Yeah. That's uh, I just I'd be really surprised by it. Maybe as an analyst on the studio. I would imagine what I would guess you will see is he is he appears. I mean, you have four or five hours of pregame. Right. That's the time to have him come out. Hundred percent. Not in the midst of the game. No, not on the broadcast. Uh, all right, fifth bullet. The Tigers have returned to the hot shooting form we saw in late oh, December. Oh, happy are you? This is your question. You wanted to lead with this. Yeah, I did. I saved it for five to yeah. kind of pull yeah, the shooter over the sixes. Oh, it's good stuff. Uh, with Missouri's ticket all but punched, do you think this is a team that can make a tournament run, or are they destined for another first-round exit? I think this is a team perhaps with one of the wider deltas yeah. of any of the teams that at this moment would be a top-five seed. Oh, yeah. I think that Missouri's style of play is, relatively speaking, unique, and they can cause real headaches for teams, and this is a team that also can shoot absolutely lights out or can have a night where they just have it, have nothing, and with the lack of you know rebounding presence and big man, uh, could go out in the first round. Oh, yeah. So... It, you know, of course, a great Missouri team 11 years ago lost to Norfolk State, and uh, who would have seen that coming? That, to me, is an incredible outlier. Missouri losing the first round would not surprise me. At the same time, as this Missouri team making a deep run would not surprise me. And I don't know how often I feel about a, a tournament team like that. Of course, we've seen incredible upsets in the NCAA tournament. But they, I think, oftentimes would fall into the category of if they played 100 times, it had happened one or two times with Missouri as let's say they're a five and they lost to a 12. I would say that could probably happen 25 to 33% of the time. But this Missouri team with this style of play making a deep run, that also I think could be 25 to 33% because it's unique. So it's, it's something, and I think they're also incredibly well coached. Yeah. That's a big part. So um, that's something I'm anxious to see when the time comes comes around for the NCAA tournament. Yeah, they're, it's a team totally dependent, basically, on how they shoot from outside. And that's a lot more teams than you think in college basketball. But Missouri, it's certainly the case with the lack of presence down low. They can get bullied on the boards, and that can be a problem. But at the same time, they create a lot of chaos. That can be a problem for the opposition. So I agree, the Delta is super wide. All right, final bullet. The Cardinals' odds of winning the World Series currently sit at plus 2,000. Is that good value or a number you wouldn't touch? Um... 20 to 1, I suppose. Yeah, I'd, I'd throw something on it just for the hell of it. Right. When I consider it a value, I don't see this team winning the World Series. I hope we can play this on loop in late October, just like we could do with me saying the one team I can't see winning the World Series is the Philadelphia Phillies, and there they were in the mix for it in the World Series. Um, I just think there is a gap between five teams and then about four middle-of-the-pack teams, of which the Cardinals are, and then you just have a bunch of teams that are you know, like Vanderbilt in the SEC. Right. And I feel like we're seeing more and more of that in, in baseball. Oh, yeah, top-heavy teams. And also more and more teams that are just mailing it in for the season. And the Cardinals are fortunate that they're in a division with multiple teams that fall into that category. So they will pile up wins in the regular season, and then they will run in to take your pick of whomever from the NL East or NL West, and that's where they will be put to the test. Yeah, I think with how top-heavy it is, and especially in the National League, it's just tough to say, like, definitively, you think this team can win the World Series. It's, it's too tough. Yeah, to... but you give me 20 to 1, so yeah. 5% of the time that hits, you know, 
Yeah, I mean, it's a good I, number. I, I, I'd, I'd throw that on there. I feel, I'll, I'll say this with regards to the Cardinals at this moment on February 3rd. I feel like there is a lot more optimism for the Cardinals in 2023 nationally than there is locally. Yeah, I could. Yeah, I, I think that that's it's probably. Well, you think that happens more often than not, like in and out. Like, do you think Cardinal fans are down more down their team than nationally? Um, no, I, I I feel like Cardinal fans at this in this particular moment slash era are way down on the organization. And in particular, John Mazalock, in comparison to what national, not national fans, but national media are. Right. Uh, I think there is a huge gap there as, as far as if you were to get a national baseball media approval rating on John Mazalock and then a local fan approval rating on John Mazalock, which I would gather would be in the 40%, give or take 10% range. Mm-hmm. And I think national baseball media would put him in like an 80 to 90% approval rating. Yeah. Which sounds crazy, I'm sure, to a lot of local Cardinal fans. But that is, you, you hear it when Greg Amsinger's on with, with Randy Carricker and Kerry Davis and how he just uh, says people just don't get how good Cardinal fans have it. And I understand that. And I, I, I share that portion of the sentiment. I just don't really understand what happened this offseason. I'm not sure we're ever going to really find out what went on because if they really are concerned about what's going on with their television deal that's not something they are going to hold a press conference for and address but that's something that my understanding from multiple sources for the record uh is the case and but i don't know if that impacted what they did this off season i mean hey you can say whatever you want about not spending money this off season you still have an incredibly uh expensive core group of players yeah when you're talking about your three four five hitters in the infield across the board all right there it is your thoughts are welcome 314-399-9646 we'll read texts uh because we're getting a billion of them and then also i really enjoyed this uh when jr was tweeting about it earlier in the week now the results are in the blues fan survey questions answered with the uh, more than 2500 responses who's most to blame for the blues drop off this season um, and uh, what aspect of Armstrong's work has had the biggest impact on the lack of success? Which player's current contract do you most wish the Blues could take back? All of these questions will give you the answers. A lot of them surprised me as far as the percentages went. We'll discuss that coming up next. In addition to your texts on a wide variety of topics, this is Balloon Party, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura on 101 ESPN. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world, and the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms, and you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101. ESPN. Welcome back to Balloon Party 101 ESPN, driven by Munganas, St. Louis Acura, Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you to the top of the hour. We got uh, JR's column on The Athletic, big time recommended reading to our audience uh, as he surveyed 2,500 Blues fans. I participated in the survey, Jackson. Did you? I did not. You did not? I participated in the survey. So we'll go through those results and some surprising results in there. Uh, Let me read some of the texts uh, that come in following the award-winning Lil Piddle Six Shooter. Yeah. As we return from Jamaica 
and uh, and 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 like I said, it's a, it's been a just a series of Valentines. Uh, if John Mozeliak doesn't tell the Cardinals fans payroll will increase this offseason, would fans be as excited? Or would fans be excited about the offseason and signing Wilson Contreras? That's from the five seven three. It's a nice question. Mm-hmm. I like that question. Um, I don't think there would be as much consternation if he had not said that. I totally agree. Yeah, I think that him saying that kind of opened it up and. You know, and then doubling, not saying this is wrong, but like saying, well, we did increase spending when they increased so marginally. Right. And I think that was, as I said before we left, uh, I thought that that was just another example of a guy who I, I don't know how people, but maybe people would say this, could say that his tenure has been... Uh, I mean, if you're grading John Mazalek's tenure as general manager slash president of baseball operations, I would imagine people would have to acknowledge that it's been successful. Mm -hmm. But I think it's the way that he communicates sometimes that upsets fans. And so that was an example of the communication irritating some fans when he said, well, yeah, literally it did go up, but I mean, it went up in a way that I don't think people anticipated when he on his own said that the payroll would be going up uh okay uh tim that's because the majority of cardinals fans are effing idiots that's from the 636 i gather that is in response to um the national approval rating for john mazalek and the cardinals and the national expectations for the cardinals being higher than what the approval rating is for john mazalek and the local i believe that that's what that is uh in reference to uh let's see uh, Missouri could be in the Final Four, or they could get bounced early. That is from Stepdad Gary in reference to um, Jackson's question on the Fighting Tigers. What do you? What, what would disappoint you on Missouri? You, I mean, I I don't know too many people who are more passionate Missouri basketball fans than you. So mm-hmm. asking that question at this moment, still you know month plus to go. What would I be most disappointed in? Uh, first round exit would always, and it always depends on the match. But if they get to the second round, are you like, okay, good year? Where are you? Uh, to me, the year isn't necessarily dependent on the tournament just because the style of tournament, man, like anything can happen in 40 minutes of basketball. Anything can happen. And we've seen it. A 16 is defeated a one, and then the next year Virginia won it all after losing to a 16 seed. So I'm, I'm kind of like the way you're saying. If Virginia played that game 100 times, they win 99 times. They will happen to find the one game where they lost. So I, 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 the season to me isn't necessarily dependent on what happens in the tournament. Now, in the case of like the Norfolk State year, they're a two seed. That's a little different. That's right. That one you're like, okay, that's really bad, and it leaves a terrible taste in your mouth. That's all people are going to remember about the season. But a team like this who will probably be anywhere from a five to a nine seed, it doesn't really – wouldn't really – especially because it's the first year of Dennis Gates, and he's playing with guys – who all of them outside of Kobe, Ryan DeGray, and his brother Caleb Brown are mid-major guys. Like these guys were all at mid-majors. Now they're really good mid-major players, and players in mid-majors have gone on to have a lot of success in pro basketball. But to me, first-round exit, still I think it was a really, really, really solid season, especially for a debut season for a coach. I, uh, at this point, would be disappointed by just that because I, I, I feel like there is reason at this point to believe that this thing is moving in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you can say that. I don't I don't think most Missouri fans would say that with regard to the football program. Now, I think it is I think it progressed. Yeah. But with the basketball program, 
from my standpoint. And maybe I'm wrong. You know, I mean, there are a lot of people who are not high on Eli Drinkwitz now who are high on Eli Drinkwitz at this point in his tenure. Right. Um, and uh, so it's it's still super early. But I just really buy in to the way uh, Dennis Gates uh, coaches but also carries himself. I think there are some things there that I, I look at and I wonder if in 10 or 15 years, if and when he were to get a job at a blue blood mm-hmm. and has an incredible amount of success that Missouri fans will look back and go, man, this guy really got a start here. Yes, he, of course, was with Leonard Hamilton at Florida State, and yes, he was at Cleveland State, but you know, the job that launched him to get to take your pick of wherever it might go um, was his tenure at Missouri, and go, man, this guy became synonymous with, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I want to be crystal clear. This isn't Dan Orlovsky and, you know, Patrick Mahomes is the second best quarterback of all time take. I'm projecting that I think he's got the makeup to have that kind of career uh, to turn this thing around uh, so quickly as he has. Uh, Okay, guys, I thought this Lisa and nonsense was a joke until I went to the TMA Instagram. Please explain this situation. LOL. That's from the 618. Lisa Ann is a friend of the show. Yep. Uh, Lisa Ann, uh, of course, had uh, a wonderful career in the adult industry, but I would tell you that, and I realize if you've never heard her talk fantasy football or sports, you would never believe it, but she is more knowledgeable in fantasy football and the NFL, really, than almost anybody I have talked to about it. And I follow fantasy football and daily fantasy incredibly intensively. It's something I spend a lot of time on as far as uh, allocating dollars. So I absolutely pay attention to it. So she uh, became a friend of TMA and has come into St. Louis now, I would guess, like seven or eight times. Yeah, at least, yeah. When we did the event for Jay Randolph Jr., she came in. She met us in Jamaica this past week, was with us in Jamaica this past week. She comes to our golf tournament every year, has done that three or four times. So anyway, shes I don't even look at her like that. Right. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm pro-adult, 100%. I'm on the record as that, and, uh, and that, that stance is never changing. But it's, I'm just, it's me and my wife and Lisa Ann on a boat on Monday, and we're just BSing about like our, you know, talking about our parents and, you know, right. I mean, just, uh, it's just, I don't even, it's so strange, but at this point, she's just like a buddy. Uh, all right, let's see what we got going on here. Tim, I'm interested in this question uh, because uh, I'm interested in re-signing either in the offseason. I don't think there's a chance Vladdy signs. So you get the assets. I'm sorry I don't follow that, but I'll, I'll look into it in the uh, commercial break. Dennis Gates has already uh, lapped drink. It's not even close. That is from the 314. Uh, Tim, you have been known to be wrong. I would agree with you. I have been known to be wrong quite often. I'm not sure which one you're re- referencing, but yes, I have been wrong uh, more than, than anything else. Uh Anyway, get a billion texts. You can send yours in 314-399-9646. We'll take a commercial break on the other side. Jeremy Rutherford's Blues Fan Survey, uh, detailing what the fans put the blame on for this year and who they put the blame on. That's next here on Balloon Party, driven by Munganass St. Louis Act. You're on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. Balloon Party, driven by Munganass St. Louis Acura, 101 ESPN. I was fired up to read this this morning. Jeremy Rutherford sent out, uh, well, he didn't send out, he was tweeting about it, that people could answer this uh, Blues fan survey. 
uh, and he got more than 2,500 results. It uh, is on theathletic.com, and I want to go through it. JR was with us on TMA uh, from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. on 1057 HD2, TMASTL.com, and you can watch us and just see how hot I really am yeah. at youtube.com slash TMASTL. Who's most to blame for the Blues drop-off this season? Jackson, what would you answer? Your Doug choices Arm- are, just I'm sorry, okay. I'm doing this for the audience more than anything, uh, the players, general manager, Doug Armstrong, coach Craig Berube, and his staff. Doug Armstrong. I agree with you. Uh, but the players won... 66.2% of the vote. Wow. And JR and I dis- discussed this, and I, I suppose we had a, a bit of a disagreement because he said, well, the roster had some questions going into the season, but that's where I go into the next question. The fact that they had so many long term contract commitments left them with little flexibility to mm-hmm. try to tend to the roster. And my belief, of course, as I would imagine most of you would agree, if they had more flexibility, David Perron would still be a blue. Um, but that goes into the next question of what aspect of Armstrong's work has had the biggest impact on the lack of success. The choices, the lengthy contract terms given to several veteran players, the construction of this specific team paying young players too much too soon, or other. What would you vote? The first one, the lengthy contracts. The lengthy contract terms given to several veteran players, that got 50.3% of the vote. Second place was the construction of this specific team, 36.3% of the vote. And from my standpoint, you can kind of, there's a bit of a Venn diagram with an overlap there on the Blues and this season and those lengthy contracts. In other words, if you didn't have Colton Pareko, if you didn't have Tory Krug locked into these kinds of deals, um, you wouldn't necessarily be in the spot that you're in with this caliber of roster because you're not getting great performances from them. You're not having health, but, but you're also just not getting great performances. And then that has a trickle-down effect to the rest of the roster. And so that, to me, th- that combined with, although I think that this was the first domino, Alex Petrangelo going to Las Vegas, which, of course, led to... Tory Krug coming to St. Louis, and then Colton Pareko being given more responsibility. Those are your those are your big dominoes that then now you see impacting 2022-2023 season. Uh, which Blues contract do you most wish the organization could take back? I don't think it's any surprise that Colton Pareko won this. What Jr. said he was surprised by is that it was only 41.2% of the vote. Second place, Tory Krug at 24.1%. That's interesting. Yeah, I would have thought if you would have said, I, I would have known it would have been Pareko, uh-huh. and I would have thought it would have been up 65 to 75%. Right, That's what I would have thought. Yeah, agreed. Um, then uh, Scandella. Bennington got 10%. Mm, yeah. Nick Letty, 6.8%, which I would imagine would be a lot of people who wish the Blues chose Perron instead of Letty. And then Jordan Cairo gets votes at 3.2%. Which player who left recently has been missed the most? Uh, I feel like that this this should be as close to unanimous as possible, but I, I gave my theory for it on TMA, and I'll give it here as well. Alex Petrangelo got 59.2% of the vote, but Perron got 36.3%. And my theory to JR on Perron getting as much as he did is JR was making the observation that with Petrangelo left, there were some people who kind of viewed him as the bad guy in it. And I think with Perron, I think some of those who may have voted for him instead of Petrangelo Perron was very upfront from the moment the Blues were eliminated by the Avalanche, uh, including to after he signed with 
Detroit that he wanted to be in St. Louis. And I think that resonates with people. And I also think most Blues fans wanted him to be in St. Louis. So for that to be the set of circumstances, I think for those thinking emotionally, they go with David Perron. Uh, what is your confidence level in Doug Armstrong? Jackson, five equals full confidence, one equals no confidence. Assign a number between one and five. Three. The winning number, four. Okay. 42.4%. That's where I would be as well. Uh, 32.9% went with three. 11.9% went with five. 9.9% with two. And he got the lowest mark from 3% who gave him a one. What is the number one thing Barubi should do differently? Nothing, but staff changes are needed. That got 44.7%. Bench players who don't deserve to play, that's from, uh, that was 28.1%. I I understand that, and it kind of sounds good, because I took the survey, and when I was going through it, I'm thinking to myself, they're so thin, mm-hmm. or they have been so thin, who are you thinking should be a healthy scratch? I just, it's that sounds good. That sounds good because you're frustrated by what the team is doing. But where are you really going? I mean, really going to go? Okay, Pareko, bench him. It's just not. It's not right. something that's really realistic. Uh, so nothing but staff changes needed. Forty four point seven percent, which conveys that most people don't hold Craig Berube responsible for this season. And then that is translated to this: What is your confidence level in Berube? And same deal as Armstrong, one being the lowest, five being the highest. And a combination of 75.5% gave Berube either a four or five. So that tells you where he is. Three out of four Blues fans who responded to this have either a level of four or five confidence being the highest or second highest in the Blues head coach. And also should point out that that's similar for what's going on with uh, with Doug Armstrong as well. It's certainly higher confidence in Berube, but... Uh, Barubi has a lot of confidence in the fans. Which player has been the biggest underachiever this season? You knew the answer would be Colton Pareko. The only question was, what will the number be? And the number is about 60%, 59.7. Second place, who do you think it is? Uh, I will say Jordan Cairo. Jordan Cairo got 1.8% of the vote. Ryan O'Reilly, 20.4% of the vote. And who has been the team MVP this season? This was my vote as well. Jordan Biddington got 25% of the vote. Buchnevich was in second place. That's a good play as well. Uh, And then Shen in third place. Are you ready to give up on the season? Jackson, I hear your choices. Yes, this latest stretch convinced me. Yes, did a long time ago. Not yet, but getting close. Not giving up until mathematically eliminated. No, they can still make the playoffs. What's your vote? I'm an optimist at heart, but I'm going to have to vote yes and then it I don't want to say it was a long time ago, but it was about a couple weeks ago. Uh, the winning vote was yes, this latest stretch convinced me. 46% mm-hmm. said yes, this latest stretch convinced me. I think that's where I would be. I think that's what I voted. I was I, I didn't believe they could make a deep run, but they kept winning. Right. And when Chris Kerber was on with us two or three weeks ago, he goes, listen, just let the season play out. You never know. Maybe some of these guys are getting ice time who were, you know, playing in the minors a little while ago, we're going to emerge. You don't know what's going to wind up happening here. But what logic dictated would likely happen has happened. And at this point, I think it's inevitable that they will be uh, having some decimation with this roster. Which of the following pending UFAs should the Blues trade before the deadline on March 3rd? The one that got the most votes Vladimir Tarasenko, 93.5%. Wow. Second most, Ryan O'Reilly, 63.6. 
uh, for the record, you, you could vote for more than one player. And I just checked every box. Yeah, That's where I am. It, and, and my reasoning for that isn't anything personal. You can't, I mean, I guess people can go on the air and, be, you know, cloak professional criticism um, or cloak personal criticism professionally, but that's just not the way I'm going to operate. Uh, so none of this is personal. It's just this is a team that is in a tough spot because of something we talked about earlier and that was discussed earlier in this poll, and that is a number of dollars given to players who are most likely not going to be uh, performing at the level they're compensated. And that's where the Blues are with this thing. So Vladimir Tarasenko, 93.5. O'Reilly, 63.6. Barbashev, 46.1. Uh, those three are the top vote getters. Which contract with term would you most like Armstrong to trade this season? This one was probably the most surprising. Tory Krug, the winner. Mm. Now it was basically mathematically uh, even. Tory Krug, forty point seven percent. Colton Pareko, thirty nine percent. But I would have thought that would have been Pareko all day. Right. Agreed. And uh, Tory Krug wins this one. Uh, Rutherford writes, uh, this is similar which contract you wish the Blues could take back, but it's slightly different, and the results reflect it. This time, Krug, 40.7% edge Pareko, which may mean in voters' eyes he could be more easily replaced, and I would agree with that. I think that is, that's, now I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I voted Pareko, but it was between the two of them. And that then gets us back to the moment and the moment was really not a moment, but it was a series of events that led to Alex Petrangelo leaving. But as somebody texted into TMA this morning, uh, Alex Petrangelo leaving it could be looked back on in Blues history like the Cardinals look back on Steve Carlton and the regret. Because if you have him, you never have Krug. And this team is in a different set of circumstances than it is right now. You can read it at theathletic.com. Great work by Jeremy Rutherford. Time for us to shut it down for Action Jackson. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Munganast, St. Louis Acura on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.